Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Alert, brought to you by the Institute of Alcohol Studies. On this month's podcast, we focus on a new report by the Alcohol Health Alliance, which looked at public opinion of alcohol harm and alcohol control policies. Later in the podcast, we speak to Alcohol Change UK about their Alcohol Awareness Week. First, though, our Policy and Communications Officer, Poppy Hull, spoke to Arnu Rum, Parliamentary and Campaigns Officer at the Alcohol Health Alliance, about their new report. Given your sort of background campaigning um, around alcohol harm, why do you think it's important to think about public support? So when it comes to issues related to public health, it's really important to talk and not just think about public support, but also measure it and really bring it to the attention of politicians, because there's at the moment quite a narrative around the fact that people don't want more measures introduced when it comes to protecting them from alcohol harm, from tobacco harm, um, from issues like obesity. And what this sort of research shows is that that narrative is false, that people recognize the damage that some of these products are causing to them and that they want politicians to take more action. However, politicians falsely believe that that is not the case and that when they will stand up for issues like exactly taking more action on alcohol harm, they won't win elections, um, they will face public outrage. Um, so you, you sort of touched on on this a little bit um, in your answer, but uh, what do we know already about public awareness around alcohol harm? So when you look at the amount of harm that alcohol causes in the UK, um, you know, we're talking about more than one in 20 hospitalization, record levels of deaths from alcohol after the pandemic, we see that public awareness about this harm is actually very low. When you ask people without prompting them um, about certain diseases, we see that most people know that there is a link between alcohol and cancer, for example. But when you ask them about the specific cancers that alcohol causes, just a quarter of people know that alcohol causes breast cancer, for example. Similarly, despite the decades of evidence around this, there's still a third of people who are unaware that it is safest not to drink when you're pregnant. Perhaps most worryingly of all, only one in five people can correctly identify the chief medical officer's low-risk weekly weekly drinking guidelines. So that's um, the recommendation that You don't drink more than 14 units uh, per week. And the fact that just one in five Brits can currently correctly identify this shows that there is a lot of work to be done in raising awareness about alcohol harm and consequently in tackling alcohol harm as well. Um, So moving on to the study that you recently published, um, would you be able to give us a quick overview of the aims of the report and the methodology that you used? The aim of this research is to exactly get the information out there about what the public support is for taking action on alcohol harm. So we were really hoping to record uh, public opinion on the various alcohol policies that are largely supported by um, the evidence base, the AHA itself, and big international organizations like the um, the World Health Organization, and then to have that feed into the Alcohol Health Alliance's advocacy work as well, because we really want to be advocating for the policies that people want to see implemented. Um, For this purpose, then, um, we used a wonderful public opinion poll that is conducted by Action on Smoking and Health every year through YouGov, where they ask questions related to tobacco, alcohol and obesity. Uh, Very kindly, they then let us use this survey data 
to do a, an analysis of what the UK population think about various policies um, t t touching on alcohol from marketing to duty to labeling um, and in general how the public views that the government is doing on alcohol harm. So in terms of the findings then, what did the report tell us about people's experiences of alcohol harm? So we asked a bit about people's experiences of alcohol harm just to get an understanding of who it was that uh, were responding to the opinion polling. We found that 14% of respondents felt that um, someone else's alcohol consumption had impacted their life in a negative way at a great deal or to some extent over the past year. Very interestingly, we actually saw that this jumped to one in five respondents when we looked at the age group of 18 to 34 um, year olds. Uh, similarly, in reflecting what we see from other national data, men reported double the rate of drinking above the chief medical officer's guidelines um, as women as well. So people are really impacted by alcohol harm, um, clearly. So then do they think that the government are doing enough to tackle alcohol harm? No, is the frank answer. Uh, so 55% of those who expressed a clear opinion felt that the government was not taking enough action on alcohol. And this is really the key message that we're trying to now take to MPs, that people are desperate for more action on alcohol because they recognise the harm. So the report looked at um, a couple of policy options um, and asked different questions on, on those. So which policy options did you find to be the most popular? So overall, there was two key areas that people were really um, keen to see more and further action on. One of these is labeling. So at the moment, um, an alcohol product label in the UK only has to display the volume of the product, um, the alcohol content of the product, and if any of the 14 most common allergens are present. All other information, whether that be about calorie content, sugar content, or just even a pregnancy warning, that's all voluntary at the moment. And what we found was that the majority of people supported more and better labeling of alcoholic products overall. In particular, 76% of people thought that the number of units in a product should be legally required to be on the label. And over half of people also wanted to see a mandatory pregnancy warning um, as well. Secondly, we saw really great support for improved marketing um, regulations. Um, in particular, there was really strong support across political party affiliation um, to introduce mandatory health warnings on marketing materials, because similarly at the moment, um, the, an alcohol advertiser doesn't have to show a health warning at the bottom of the um, ad. And similarly, there was really great uh, support for having separate display areas for alcohol and its marketing and shops which would allow people to go about their shopping trip without being prompted at the ends of aisles or even when entering the shop um, with just massive cases of alcohol and the question constantly of like well would you like this great deal you mentioned in your answer um that that some opinions were consistent across political affiliations. So I just wondered um, if you found that opinions seem to differ according to these sort of factors like ideology or age or gender. So the whole report analyzes support by political party affiliation for this reason exactly, that 
we have politicians who aren't unsure of what their specific voter base is supportive of and we felt that it was very important to be able to go to politicians not just to say that look a majority of people want to see better marketing or better labeling or just more action in general but we wanted to show them your voter base is really really keen for this and for most of the policies um, that we asked people about we found that there was strong support across political party affiliation whether that was on um, marketing whether that was on labeling whether that was um, on having a better action on the affordability of alcohol so one example of this if we take the example of um, the including a health warning at the bottom of all alcohol advertising materials we found that 62 percent of people who had voted uh, conservative in the 2019 general election supported this policy and the support jumped to 72 and 73 percent amongst labor uh, liberal democrat and scottish national party supporters this is just one example you can go and read the report there's plenty examples of this and plenty of us to take to mps peers and the government to say we need to do more and you will not lose an election because you will do more on this Brilliant. Yeah. So you, you kind of hinted at how um, the report's going to feed into conversations with MPs and, and help you sort of influencing in, in those spheres. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how exactly the report's going to influence the AHA's advocacy work. So jointly with the report and using um, the support figures that we found in the report, um, the Alcohol Health Alliance has also used this opportunity to launch our manifesto for a future free from alcohol harm. This obviously very much coincides with the fact that we will have a general election next year, and we are very keen to make sure that all political parties commit to tackling alcohol harm, because especially following the pandemic, we're reaching a crisis point. And if we don't take action now, we're going to have significant consequences on our economy, on the NHS and on our local communities for decades to come. So the AHA's manifesto um, calls for all political parties to commit to an alcohol strategy free from the influence of alcohol industry. This is one of the things that our report found very strong support for. Seven in 10 people want um, government policy to be protected from the influence of alcohol industry and its representatives, which is really great for us to see because we know that when alcohol industry is involved in the discussions around public health policy, those policies are watered down, they are not as effective, and the situation that the UK currently faces means that we can't have more watered down policies. We need more action and we need bolder action. The evidence base is there. We now know that the public support is there as well. Now we just need action. So if you're interested in reading the full report um, with all the wonderful stats and our wonderful new manifesto, then please visit the AHA website, ahauk.org. And if you're interested in contacting your MP, um, about asking and ask them to take more action on alcohol harm, then on the website, we have a whole take action um, link where you can send a letter to your MP and sign on to the AHA's campaigners network as well, where we will send you loads of information and updates on what is happening in government and what action is being taken to tackle alcohol harm. 
And here's Alcohol Change UK's Director of Research and Public Affairs, Isla Hashemzada, to discuss Alcohol Awareness Week. We asked her what the purpose of the week is and what activities are involved. Yeah, so Alcohol Awareness Week is a chance for the UK to get thinking about drinking. It's a week of awareness raising, campaigning for change and more. We've got two aims. One is to get people who haven't previously thought about their drinking to give it some thought. Uh, And secondly, encourage them to visit our website where they can start learning new information and get advice and get involved. So in terms of activities, thousands of local places, with, so we've got, uh, worked with local authorities, GP surgeries, workplaces um, from across the country to help us raise awareness of the harm caused by alcohol, encouraging people to drink more healthily, um, as well as signposting people to support. The types of activities include information stores, displays, um, sharing lots of the resources provided by us to improve people's understanding of alcohol harm, as well as alcohol-free events such as quizzes or arts events. We also ran a parliamentary event where we were joined by the IAS uh, to meet parliamentarians to discuss the harms that alcohol causes to individuals, families and across society and what interventions would work to reduce harm, such as, you know, providing more funding to make it easier for people from all backgrounds to receive high quality support and treatment, introducing minimum unit pricing in England, uh, introducing proper regulation of alcohol labelling and marketing and incorporating alcohol dependency in the Equality Act to fully protect people at work and wider society. Amazing. There's lots and lots going on um, across the week, covering other different topics. Sounds really exciting. Um, and as part of the Awareness Week, uh, you published results from a survey uh, looking at people's drinking habits. So if you could give us a bit of an overview of what you found, some of the key messages... There's, there was a lot of stats on information that are going to come across, come your way now. Um, but the key finding was that the average drinker in the UK spends around £63,000 on alcohol over the course of a lifetime. But we also found that one in five drinkers considered alcohol to be an essential item in their shopping basket. This worryingly rises to 39% of drinkers considered to be at an increasing risk of alcohol harm and 65% at high risk. Uh, one in 10 drinkers said that they've prioritised buying alcohol over essential items. This rises again to 19% for those drinking at an increasing risk and 25% for those at a high risk of alcohol harm. Whereas a quarter of our respondents said that they've deliberately bought less alcohol as well. Amongst those who drink, one in seven, so that's 15%, said that in the last six months they have been worried about how much they're drinking. The same proportion have also been worried in the last six months about the amount of alcohol someone in their household has been drinking. And, you know, having more opportunities to socialise, so that was 32%, work and home pressures at 28%, relationship problems and trying to cope with financial worries, both at 16%, were some of the reasons cited for causing some people to drink more than they had in previous six months. And finally, those that are now drinking less in the past six months said that they did so for physical and mental health reasons and due to the cost of living crisis at 34%. There are some really high numbers there, especially worrying for those um, drinking at high risk levels. And you mentioned um, being affected by the cost of living crisis as well um, for people saying why they were drinking more. Um, I wonder if, if you could tell us a little bit about if the survey then you think um, 
seems to be saying that people's experiences of alcohol might be changing in recent months. Um, are there any sort of changing patterns that you can pick out? So one of the things that we usually find when we do polling is that there's no single relationship with alcohol. There are many cultures and norms about drinking and the picture is very complex and you guys know that as well from from your work. But we've seen significant changes since the start of the pandemic in people's uh, experiences with alcohol. So while many people cut down on alcohol during this time, a worrying proportion drank more. As a result, we are consistently seeing the huge effect this has had on so many lives and putting so many people at greater risk of serious alcohol harm. But as you said, the cost of living crisis has also played a key role in causing some people to drink more. And that's what our survey showed, you know, for some people, that 34%, that was something that was causing them to drink more. Whereas for some other people, it actually has meant that they drink less. So I guess thinking about how consumption habits sort of tied to people's opinions about public, sorry, how consumption habits tied to people's opinions on alcohol policies. Do you think there's anything in the relationship between those two? Alcohol is a unique policy problem to communicate in that it has a significant cultural meaning to some people and is deeply ingrained in our society. So even if you don't drink, you have a relationship with it, for example, by being bombarded with marketing and advertising, um, or people around you drinking, potentially harmfully. Where I've personally worked for other health charities before, you're communicating science. So, for example, you're saying, this is how the cancer spreads, this is how we treat it, this is the support that people need while they're in treatment. With alcohol, people come with preconceived perceptions, which you need to almost debunk before you can even talk about solutions. So the most common one I come across is alcohol being an important part of relaxing and de-stressing and that only some people have, you know, air quotes, addictive personalities or air quotes a problem. The implication being that most people consume alcohol moderately and risk-free and sometimes can't see the huge problem that it causes. So you need people to understand the scale and nature of the problem before you can talk about, for example, the ins and outs of minimum unit pricing. Because people need to understand there's a problem to fix in the first place. And that's why the work of our charities and the wider sector is so vital. So zooming out a little bit, um, uh, thinking about polling data and and digging into public opinion, how important have you found in your experience um, drawing on these kind of examples is when you're engaging with politicians and, and trying to influence decision makers? So it can be really helpful. Politicians don't like to be unpopular and when it comes to alcohol, they don't want to come across as nanny state or the fun police. So if we can show that a certain policy is popular as well as effective, we can make more traction. Saying that, though, we do also have a role as experts and who are trusted by politicians to be evidence based to advocate for policies that we know have strong evidence behind them to reduce harm. And if there is no polling or the polling is negative, we do have a duty to increase the awareness about that issue and to explain why we're pushing for the policies that we are. And we can also track polling and the changes over time on issues to show that, for example, there has been progress on attitudes to certain issues as well over time. And so what role do you think charities like yours um, play in engaging with and reporting on public opinion? We have to walk a fine line as policy experts between what should be done, which is the evidence, and what can be done, which is the political will. Um, And it has implications for the tactics that we use to talk to politicians and in the press. So usually poll findings can be helpful in starting conversations, 
for example, our alcohol awareness week study finding on the amount that people spend in their lifetime opened up a conversation about what the true cost of alcohol is. So this enabled us to talk about a variety of costs, were they financial, health related on the impact on people, uh, people's loved ones. So it's important to use public opinion as a jumping off point to start a conversation. Public opinion is not simply polling, though, and we also have a duty to report the stories of the hundreds of people that we speak to as a charity who have been personally affected by alcohol harm as well. Yeah, definitely. It's really important to sort of um, pick those voices up and, and amplify them as well. Um, so is there anything you wanted to add about the, the survey or Alcohol Awareness Week, anything you're working on that um, you'd like to flag? We'd love people to get involved in our work on the Equality Act. We've launched a petition to remove the exemption for people uh, with alcohol dependence in the Equality Act. We'd encourage people to sign that petition and to share it. Uh, A lot of the problems that both our charities work on in terms of reducing alcohol harm stem from the stigma that people face um, and how that prevents people from getting help and support and reaching out. And this is a legal way in which people with alcohol dependence have been discriminated against. So we're campaigning to have that removed. So if people are interested in helping us with that, we'd be really grateful. That is all for this month. Thank you for listening and we hope you can join us in next month's podcast.